the NFL Draft. News on number three. Draft coverage. Live, local, late breaking. All right, final hour of the show. Live from the Akchin Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke. And uh, we had Mel Kuyper Jr. call in earlier, Wolf. I wasn't kidding. I showed you during one of the breaks. I was just taking notes while, while Mel was talking. Because yeah. you figure if it's if Mel Kuyper Jr. is saying it, there's a pretty good chance it's true <laughs> around the uh, around the NFL draft. He is a living legend, man. Uh, where do you want to start? Because to me, <laughs> the, the thing that he said um, that really stood out, and actually I'm driving, so I'll just start right here. Okay, how about, It doesn't even really impact. How about, how about I just say, Todd, Todd, Todd? <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what he said about uh, the quarterbacks at the top of this draft. It's Bryce Young uh, by just the slightest of margins because he got his weight over 192. About two months ago, I told McShay, I said, he's got to be 195 or higher for me to make him QB1. And he came in at 204. Now, we know that was a manufactured 204. He'll probably play at 190, 195, hopefully. But he at least he got it over 195 for that moment. But uh, he gets the slight edge. But it looks like he's going number one. It looks like you can write that in pen now that Bryce Young is going number one to Carolina, which kind of takes a lot of the mystery and intrigue away from that because that's all you're hearing now that that's kind of their decision has been made whether that's true or not we'll find out yeah it's so interesting because when you talk about the top three quarterbacks at least by most people's account right now Bryce Young is the guy that it's all about his intangibles what's inside of him Mm -hmm. and you've got Anthony Richardson on the other side of the spectrum uh, that it's all about his his externals his his physicality his skill his frame all of that and then you got CJ Stroud a combination of the two I would say right in the middle right there you've got three distinct different quarterbacks I think that are probably the top three quarterbacks on most teams boards so you and I were talking about this yesterday and we were kind of going just connecting some dots of of different things you hear right Matt Miller on our show last week saying he's kind of hearing maybe something crazy might happen towards the top of this draft and Lance Zerline uh, who we actually had on last week as well in his mock draft had the Texans not even taking a quarterback at number two. I actually think he had him taking Tyree Wilson, if I remember right, but it wasn't a quarterback. And you just kind of hear more and more like, is are the Texans really, I mean, they have, they also have the 12th pick in the draft too. Are they really going to not take a quarterback at two? And Mel Kuyper Jr. talked about, so we asked him, you know, what, what do the Cardinals do at number three? if the Texans just take Will Anderson. Well, normally it will be Jalen Carter, but, you know, with the character concern, I get that. Uh, then you say, okay, if we're going to just get a haul, we're going to get a haul back in return for the third pick, let's go ahead and trade that pick. <laughs> well, they would. If, if, if it goes Bryce Young, Man. a position player that isn't a quarterback, and the Cardinals are sitting there with Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud and Will Levis all on the board, yeah. they can get whatever they want this for that is, pick. I know this is a tough situation for me, Luke, because you know how much I love Will Anderson. Do, <laughs> you know I've I gathered, gathered you do guy. like Will Anderson a little bit. I, I, I am. I, I'm admitting it based on what means I'm in the danger zone when it comes to Will Anderson. Um, it's like, okay, I either want Will Anderson at number four, <laughs> where we trade with the Colts. I want him at number four, and we still get him. We still get some extra picks as well. Trade back one with the Colts. I, that's my favorite scenario. But after that, um, I have to admit, 
that if Will Anderson was taken by the Texans at number two, that number three pick is going to be off the charts. And because of that, it's almost like, okay, we didn't get Will Anderson. We couldn't take Will Anderson. The Texans drafted him. And now, knowing what the Cardinals would get for that number three spot, knowing C.J. Stroud is still out there, Oh, man, I'd love for that to happen. I couldn't trade the pick fast enough if Houston took Will Anderson. If somehow Will Anderson is not on the board at three, and I think the Cardinals are going to trade it either way, uh, but but if I were the GM and Will Anderson went two, and it, for, for all the reasons you just said, one, Will Anderson's not on the board. He's the only guy I'm really considering staying up there for anyway. Two, all of a sudden my phone's going to light up because all these quarterback desperate teams are going to be like, uh, C.J. Stroud's still there. Yes. And they're going to be calling on top of the Anthony Richardson-liking teams that are calling me too. But what I'm, I'm fascinated about this, though, Wolf, is, is the timeline because are we talking you have, what, 10 minutes to make that trade? <laughs> yeah. 10, 15 minutes to make the trade? <laughs> like it's, We talked about this yesterday. I think the Cardinals are going to trade the pick. I think they're going to trade it on, on two draft weeks from day. today, draft day, but in the afternoon. But the scenario that, that you just laid out there would be like, uh, you got 10 minutes to make a big trade. <sighs> it's, so, it's so tough right now because I'm thinking about when would be the best time if you wanted to get the biggest haul. When would be the best time for that to happen? When do you think that would happen? For me, it's you're on the clock. It probably is. <laughs> I mean, there's no getting around that, Luke. If somebody is going to be desperate enough, if that were the case, the Arizona Cardinals are sitting there at number three, and oh, by the way, Will Anderson just got drafted by the Texans. You're on the clock. And people are banging down your door, metaphorically speaking. That's the most dangerous scenario, though, right? I mean, it's got the most upside. But if, if you if you don't make the trade and you go into the draft and you're like, you know what, we're going to see how the first two picks play out and then you know, we'll probably make the trade. And, and it goes Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. And, and you can't pull off the trade in time, like you just run out of time or whatever. Somebody you, doesn't love C.J. Stroud as much as we all thought yeah. they were going to love him. Well, so you end up with Will Anderson in that scenario. That's fine. But if it's if it's the way, if, if it goes this way where Will Anderson's gone, and you're making the trade on the clock, and you don't get the trade, then what are you doing? You don't have Will Anderson to fall back on. I mean, you, you would make a trade, but it's just those are some tense 10, 15 minutes yeah. right there. Okay. Can we can we all agree right now, though, Basin Orleans, can we all agree that moving down to number four and still getting Will Anderson? That is, yes. That that's is what the, I'm talking about, That is right? the best case scenario. That is the best case scenario. Right, Mel? I mean, in the... In a perfect world, yes. Yes. Well, okay, we don't live in a perfect world. I don't know if you noticed. You're saying? Kind of. <laughs> Things haven't gone perfectly so for the Cardinals minute, lately. Uh, did you kind of just say that I was Pollyanna? Is no, that what you're no, saying? No, no, no. Like, in a perfect world, yes, that would be great. Trading back to four, still getting some assets back, and still drafting Will Anderson. Yes, okay. So you're still on board with that. I'm totally great, on board. That you, would be fantastic. Okay, but you qualified it by saying a perfect world, and we all know we don't live in a perfect world. Right. Okay. So if you're going to wait till draft night and hope that happens, but then the Texans take him at two, <laughs> your perfect scenario gets flipped on its head. My brain hurts. Um, this is what would happen if you were the GM and that happened. You would just start playing like Allison Chains or something, and they'd be like, Wolf, uh, you're on the clock, and you wouldn't hear him, and then you'd yeah. miss the pick. You good with that, Rick? You okay with that? 
move down to number four and still get Will Anderson? Isn't that your preference right there? Yeah, that's what I want. Okay, good. This is how I know you'd miss the pick because Aaron's told us to go to break three times and you keep asking new people questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's how I know hey, you'd Jim, miss the pick. how about you? You good with that, Jim? Yeah, yeah, Cardinals Let's do it. Let's down. roll with it. Okay, yeah, right? Move down to number four. Let's go. Will Anderson. Bada bing, bada boom. You're not going to ask me? I already did. Oh, okay. Did you? Yeah, well, we got to go break. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Foo Fighters going to be playing a Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater on October 3rd. General on sale begins tomorrow. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. When we come back, NBA playoffs starting up finally this weekend. So what exactly changes about the game in the playoffs? Kevin Durant talked about it. You'll hear what he had to say next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the yeah. local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Alright, well, it's not the first time we've been through a, uh, a trip to the playoffs. <laughs> Every time I try and start serious, I know you turn up my mic. Pay me Your intensity level is high, right? That's playoffs. I mean, I can see it on your furrowed brow. I know. I'm go get. You want me to be more? The playoffs are starting. Anything goes. See, DA, it's not funny. Oh, now this is a roller coaster. Melancholy, DA. It's not funny. This is serious business. I can't wait to watch him. I seriously can't wait to watch. There's KD. Look, yes. we got KD, everybody. Isn't that what that's exactly what Remember DA that? said. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Ain't that something? We got KD. Remember? <laughs> we need to put together a no. montage of, of oh, I know. Yeah. everybody either saying, I mean, it's Kevin Durant, or people saying, like, <laughs> can you believe we got Kevin Durant? That's great. DA, he's going to be watching you. He's going to be right there, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, I, I am fascinated to see what kind of impact could this possibly have on DeAndre Ayton going forward? What kind of impact, especially with the Clippers, because they're going to bring that out in him, right? They're going to give him that opportunity to match their physicality. Let's see what happens. Uh, Kevin Durant has been here before. Now, a lot of the Suns have been here before, although not not as as this team. I mean, you look at over the the turnover from last year. Like the team that took the floor for Game Seven last year, Wolf, to the team that is out there that's going to take the floor for uh, for Game One against the. Against the Clippers on on uh, on Sunday, I'm trying to go through and just look at like how many guys that were on that team. Jay Crowder's gone, Mikel Bridge is gone. Uh, let's see, Cam Johnson gone, Javale McGee Boy. gone, Alfred Payton gone. Boy, um, yeah, yeah Holiday's just, gone too. Okay, just yeah. go back and talk about the first four names. You well, just yeah, I mean some of your right starters: Jay, Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridge. Was he tough? Was Jay tough? Was, Anybody? Yeah, Would yeah. you know? I, listen, I, I realize he was getting a little long in the tooth. And I understand, um, maybe not as athletic as he once was, uh, couldn't move his feet um, as he once has, but this guy was a tough basketball player, a physical basketball player, okay? And what was the other name? We need to get off this box score, because he was a minus 37, and I'm having flashbacks, because okay. I'm just looking at, at the Dallas box score to s- see the difference between last year's yes. final roster and okay. this year's. Uh, let's see, Mikel Bridges? Mikel Bridges. Yeah. Um, was this guy a quality two-way player 
I would say he's better than quality, yes. He's quality, better than quality. What, on the defensive end of the floor? Is that what you're going to point to? He's elite. He's elite elite on the defensive end of the floor. Do you think that's important in a series, especially a series where it's going to be physical? Say yes, because it is. Cam Johnson is the same way. How many times did you hear me talk about Cam Johnson and how underrated his aggressiveness and athleticism was? Oh, my goodness, I talked about it all the time. A much better athlete than anyone really gave him credit for when he was drafted by the Suns. They got ripped for drrafting him where they drafted him. Remember that. Go back to that yeah, draft. Even, <laughs> they college did. teammates were like, "Really, Cam?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but again, a guy that wasn't afraid of contact. It's just this is going to be the question of the series for me. Well, You've got Kevin Durant, who obviously wasn't here last year. Uh, he talked about the Suns figuring it out because you've got this. You've got a lot of new pieces that are going to play key roles. Obviously, none bigger than him, but you know some of these role players too. Like Josh Okogi wasn't on this team last year. He's probably going to start. So here's KD. I'm gonna prove that. I mean, I've been in the league for 15 years playing, but 16 years you know around the league. So I play with so many different players under so many different coaches. I know a few coaches here before I got here, so. I know I had a couple teammates that I played on some teams with before I got here. So I think that stuff adds and helps with, you know, speeding that transition up of, of, you know, just getting used to your teammates. So these guys have watched me play, played against me, scouted against me plenty of times. So they kind of know my game and vice versa. I've scouted and played against these guys too. So, uh, you know, all that stuff matters, I feel like. And I think once we get on the court, basketball is basketball at the end of the day. We've playing this game since we was kids, so we'll figure it out. He's just so confident, man. He's just stating facts. Because he figures it out. (laughs) He always figures it out. It's so cool. A true vet is what he called himself right there, based on Ian's um. Although I agree with him on that, he's also a true pro above all else. Not just a not just a great talented human being. He's a true pro through and through. A lover of the game and all of its idiosyncrasies. He loves hoop, period. And let me just say it again. I could not have been more wrong on Kevin Durant than I was. The way I felt about him going into the end of the summer, going into the fall, actually, uh, the way I felt about Kevin Durant was wrong. Now, it's not a big sample size. We all know that. But I just thought he brought drama wherever he went. It wasn't him, apparently. Yeah, there's... Been there's been a lot of drama this season, but none of it has really followed Kevin Durant no. here, other than just you know the injuries. Uh, this is also he said this, and and it's not something that I think he's going to have to tell his teammates. I'm going to play the clip here for you right now, talking about just how dangerous the playoffs can be. Teams nowadays play three or four different ways, so they can figure it out. Uh, you know that's what makes our league so dangerous right now. Every team can do multiple things and play multiple ways, so you have to prepare for anything. I think any Suns fan that's been a Suns fan for more than a month and a half and anybody that was on that team last year is going into these playoffs with the mindset they have to be prepared for anything. Because last year, and I know the players, and I know that the team is saying they've moved past that. I know KD said they've moved past it. And, you know, with all due respect to KD, he doesn't have to move past it because he wasn't here last year. But I guarantee you the fans are like, all right, let's like see you actually move past it yeah. now starting on Sunday. 
Yeah, they've got to be prepared for anything. Of course they have to, especially being jabbed in the ribs, metaphorically speaking. They've got to be prepared for that. How teams, I think, are going to approach them and play them very, very physically. That above all else, be prepared for that because it's going to get physical. And they're going to bang away here. Do you have any more KD cuts? Yeah, he talked about what he's excited about for the playoffs. Great opportunity to play the game of ball. Extend, extend your season. You know, I think that's the fun part. Um, I feel like I played enough ball this year to my standards. So it's good to get some extra games in the playoffs. You know, just play the game, have some fun out there and compete. So preparation is always fun. Um, working on getting some extra time to work on your individual game and this little four or five day break in between the playoffs is always uh, cool for me so yeah feeling good feeling good you know what so am i katie you're feeling good i'm feeling good. <laughs> that sounds like a, like a sales pitch or something we just want you to feel good if you're feeling good we feel good yeah but it's kind of true if katie's feeling good for the next two months we're all feeling good yeah you know and i would imagine ty lue at some point in time getting ready to play the phoenix Suns is going to tell whoever is defending katie get up in his grill man <laughs> make sure he doesn't feel good he's feeling too good out there <laughs> make he sure just he doesn't feel good that's us. right luke get up in his grill what you please because typically when kd feels good the other team doesn't feel so good <laughs> everybody can't feel good at the same time uh one hey, more Terrence, man what are you doing get up there inside will you please work on kd hack him please I, you know i know this is unreasonable but can i tell you how happy i am reggie jackson's not still on the clippers oh, i know I, I know that the guy's not like a hall of famer but man Hat, Bev. yeah well yeah oof <laughs> Yeah, he'd be hacking. Yeah, well, he would. He would just try and take somebody out. Yes, uh, but Reggie Jackson, like that guy, could not miss a shot in that series two years ago. Pat Bev on the Bulls last night. That's that was weird seeing. Like that guy's just still hanging around, still yeah. going to be possibly in the playoffs. Hey, but, Robert uh, Covington, you know you've been around a long time. Are you kidding me? Get up in his grill. You got some length to you. You got some athleticism. Hack him. It's coming. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. What is holding up a DeAndre Hopkins trade? Got a little more insight into that. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Two weeks to the draft. It does feel like there's, I don't know, how many stories in the NFL right now, Wolf, that are just stuck? You've got the Aaron Rodgers story. It's just stuck. Yeah. You've got the Lamar story. Stuck. Stuck. You've got the DeAndre Hopkins story. Also, I would put in that category of just stuck. Stuck. Here's Adam Schefter. Well, we didn't even rehearse these sound effects. Yeah, I know. Stuck. Stuck. Uh, Adam Schefter, NFL Live yesterday, talking about the market for DeAndre Hopkins. $31 million cap hit. The salary is about $19.5 million. And because of the salary, it makes it very difficult to trade DeAndre Hopkins at this point in time. There's no argument about his talent level and skill set. It's immense. But the fact of the matter is there aren't a lot of teams out there right now who, number one, have the space to accommodate a receiver with a contract that size and number two have a need at that position yeah had a need that position 
Um, you know, <laughs> the music started up right as he went away. <laughs> yeah, just like oh, this is really building to something. That was that was really <laughs> odd, right there. Yeah, this is the difficulty with DeAndre Hopkins. It's because of the contract. It's because of the cap hit. It's because of all that. There are people that want to give you something for him so they can get DeAndre Hopkins. It's just, what are you going to give? What would you be willing to give? knowing there's a lot of stuff, a lot of baggage that comes with D-Hop. Well, here's more from Schefter on some of the factors that could be deterring a uh, D-Hop trade right now. He would, I believe, be willing to play for a lesser contract, but he probably would want to be able to pick his spot, which makes it a complicated situation for Arizona. The fact of the matter is we're now into April. We're getting closer to the draft. Everybody has known all along that Arizona is open to dealing DeAndre Hopkins and nobody has been willing to get the trade done so far because you have to satisfy, first and foremost, DeAndre Hopkins. And second, you have to satisfy the Cardinals. To do both, I think, is very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult right there. You've got to satisfy DeAndre Hopkins. And although I do believe he would be willing to restructure his deal and play for less money, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think he knows he has to at this point. The problem is, you know, does he want to go play? for whoever it is that is pursuing them. Maybe it's not the Buffalo Bills. Maybe it's not the Kansas City Chiefs. We all think, obviously, those would be teams that would be all over DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe it's not even the New York Jets if, in fact, they get Aaron Rodgers. Right? Yeah. I mean, that name's been out there. He's got a no-trade clause in his contract, even though it's been null and void now because of his suspension. He's got a no-trade clause in his contract because of who he is, Basinonians. In other words, if if a team wanted D-Hop and D-Hop didn't want to play for that team, there's no way the Cardinals are going to be able to trade because that team wants to be able to talk to DeAndre Hopkins about restructuring his contract. Yeah. He, you're right. He has like a an unofficial no trade Correct. Because he doesn't have to talk to if a team. If he doesn't want to play for you, are you going to try to acquire him? No, especially not when you have to jump through all these hoops. Like, let's be clear. If you're a contending team, it's worth jumping through the hoops for. But not if he doesn't want to play for you, because the hoop won't even be there for you to jump through. He'll just shut it down. Now, at a certain point, I have to think DeAndre Hopkins wants to play football next season, right? And so the worst-case scenario, it seems like, for everybody, would be they can't trade him for whatever reason. There's quite a few potential factors, and he's still here. I don't think he wants to play here. I think they're ready to move on. So then what's he going to just sit out at the start of next year? So at some point, he may have to um, not waive his fake no trade clause but be a little more willing to compromise yeah. on it at a certain I don't think we're at that point now the regular season is still four and a half months away sure but at some point he if, if we're still talking about this in June he's going to look around and be like yeah I, I want to be on a team even with the contract situation being what it is right now and how difficult it is and how it is confounding the efforts to trade DeAndre Hopkins do you believe that he will be traded do you believe that that they were offered something for DeAndre Hopkins right now. Yes, they were. I guarantee you right now, they were offered something for DeAndre Hopkins. Somebody was willing to do the deal. 
It's it's whether or not Monty Ossonfort is ready to do So how much that. risk, and I know we're not talking about a specific team here by name, but if a team, if, if Monty feels like he has an offer out there, let's just play this out logically, right? There's an offer out there. No, I don't really want to take it. I, want, you know, I think yeah, I can do better. it's a fifth-round pick. It, well, I don't want you to take it, Monty. Uh, but there's an offer out there, and he's like, you know, worst case, but I don't really want to take it. Well, what if that team gets a receiver, like a really high-end receiver in the draft? And, and all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, you know, we don't really, we don't have that need. We went out and we got Jackson Smith and Jigba in the draft. And so yeah, it's not even a fifth anymore. It's a seventh. Yeah, okay, you know? that's great. Well, Andy, you know what? Good luck to you. Have a nice season. <laughs> I, I How'd hope you that, get this number anyway, I hope that Andy. works for you. I hope your receiver is as productive as D-Hop. I mean, that's what you're going to say. But and you're gonna throw in a knot there too. Yeah, like of it's... course. I mean, but stop and think about it. We're talking about DeAndre Hopkins right here, and it's the reason it why I am very, very confident that somebody, even with all the the cap hit and the contract details and having to renegotiate, even with all that, I think somebody still has offered the Arizona Cardinals something of value. Now, it's not going to be equal value. It just is not going to be that, especially with his age being what it is well, I feel right like now. The value's just especially going down. After the last two. Exactly each right. Each day. So, to me, uh, I, I wouldn't say each day. Maybe each day after the draft. Yes. That's kind of where I was going. Is that the next turning point in your mind? No doubt about it, man. This is this is the ultimate pressure point. It's the best pressure point for the most part, I think, all year long if you want to get something done. So, yeah, I think it's wide open. Well, here's uh, Zach Ertz uh, from Tuesday this week out there at, uh, at you know Strength and Conditioning talking about the D-Hop trade rumors. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak specifically, specifically on D-Hop situation. I don't really know what's going on. Uh, but I was in a very similar situation a few years ago. And as a football player, there's gonna, always going to be noise um, when you're in those situations. And all you can do is focus on getting better. Um, as a football player, obviously, Diop's one of the best to ever do it. So it's going to be tough for him to get exponentially better. Um, but there's, there's things that we can all do uh, as, we get, as we play more to get better at football. And I'm sure that's what he's focused on right now. And it's, it's hard as things are pulling at you here and there. Um, but if you have, uh, if you're focused on goals and attaining daily goals and achieving those daily goals, then you're able to kind of, I would say, brush the noise aside. Um, but it is hard when there's some level of uncertainty. Um, but I'm sure everything's going to work out. Yes, the level of uncertainty right there. I think for the most part, DeAndre Hopkins knows he's going to be playing for somebody else. I think he knows that at this point in time. Yeah, I, I think he's, yeah, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Like I said earlier, it feels like it feels like a couple that has broken up, but they're on good yeah, terms right, right now, but they're still being forced to live in the same house. So like at a certain point, if we get closer to the training camp and the preseason and they haven't been able to make a trade, how much are we going to see DeAndre Hopkins on Instagram at all these different locations like he's kind of already doing? Like, hey, maybe I'll play here. Or maybe I should play here. Uh, I don't think this is going to go well if the season starts and he's still here. I think it's fine right now, but th- there's pressure on both sides to get something done. How about a playbook? <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't get a playbook. Hop, you know what? Hey, do you want a playbook? You don't need one, do you, Hop? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're fine. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll get back and into the basketball. And on Wednesdays. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Did you hear that?
We're going to give these out on the day when you don't practice. Sorry. Um, when we uh, we come back, the uh, the matchup with the Clippers. What exactly is L.A. going to try to do to slow this series down? We'll talk about that next. It's Will from Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Right, there is a story up on ArizonaSports.com. Kellen Olson continuing his preview of the Clippers uh, Sun series that starts up on Sunday. Boy, that was kind of weird. Man. Yeah, I feel like I just like cut what out there for do? a second. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it's you weird. Cut out. It's All weird right. when you can't hear yourself talking. I mean, even even if like even if we're on the radio and that goes off, usually I can still hear myself talking. Uh, <laughs> part four of the preview is up there right now. It says, "Can L.A. make it ugly again?" Boy, Wolf. There's a lot in this story that sounds a lot like Wolf talking. Honestly, he goes into you know he goes back to the last time these two teams met. He talks about how L.A. is not afraid, and in fact, probably once, to just turn this into a slowed down, ugly sort of, you know, not not aesthetically pleasing basketball. They don't care. They just want to win. Um, maybe get that free throw advantage that a lot of teams have gotten over the Suns this season. I'm sure L.A. would love it if they got that free throw advantage and it bothered the Suns and took them off their game. Sure. That's obviously at that point it's on the Suns, but it's. I don't know if there's a lot of secrets about what L.A. is going to try and do. The question is, can they do it enough? Yeah, can they do it enough right now? You know, um, this is not a secret. I think most people look at the Phoenix Suns and think their Achilles heel is their toughness and their physicality or their lack thereof for the most part. And whenever you talk about that, a team that is in the association and whether or not they're tough or not, I think a lot of the times it starts with your bigs. And I think you look at the Phoenix Suns and DeAndre Ayton comes to mind immediately. And we all know D.A. is more about finesse than physicality. He is. It's at this point in time, after watching him for as long as we have now, DeAndre Ayton is about finesse and not physicality. Can he actually bear that burden? Can he take that burden on in this series against the Clippers? I hope so. And the reason why I say that Basin Orleans is because I think as far as the Suns go, they're going to be tested that way every series. I don't think it's just going to be the Clippers. The Golden State Warriors. If the Golden State Warriors, Warriors if the Warriors were going to play the Phoenix Suns, do you think they'd try to be physical with them, Draymond Green? It, obviously, Draymond Green's game. I mean, we've seen him in the past try to get under DA's I think skin. everybody would. Uh, I wonder if the Clippers... <laughs> this is the, the question with DA. It, it's not really, can he be physical? It's, does he want to be physical, right? And so you go into this series, and you never know with DA. Is he going out there like, oh, absolutely? We have Kevin Durant. We've got you know, this is you know we want to bounce back from last year. I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to be a monster. You never know that with DA. Yes, but I really do think the Clippers are going to play in such a way that even if DeAndre Ayton doesn't go into Game One with that mindset, 
he's not going to have a choice by the end of game one. And so that's why I say the question isn't really can D.A. play physical. It typically is will he. I think the Clippers are going to force him to. I think we're going to see a really good version of D.A. by game two of this series. I hope you're right on that. Or they're not going to win the series. (laughs) I hope you're right on that right now. Is there anything that you want to point to with Kellen and what it was that he wrote right there? Because, again, yesterday we were talking about this. And to me, the the physicality is such a big question mark, especially knowing the Suns have had all sorts of issues with getting to the free throw line and not getting calls and getting called for fouls and fouling. Isn't that right, Kevin Durant? I mean, we all know about this. The X factor to me, and I was talking about this yesterday because of this question, because of the physicality. The X factor are the referees. Yeah, well, yeah, and I would and take how it, they're going to officiate this series. I would take it one step further. I would say the X factor because <laughs> you're not wrong, but I hate that. <laughs> like, I don't want the referees to be the X factor. Yeah. So, so I'm going to spin it to to me. The X factor is how the Suns handle that. You know what I mean? So if if they're able to play the you Clippers mean mentally, how yes. They, okay. If they're able to play the Clippers style of physicality or match it closely enough, they're the better team. You know, if the Clippers are physical and they're getting away with stuff, and, and the Clippers are getting more free throws than the Suns, and you know the Suns are kind of getting drawn into taking some fouls, I, I still think they can overcome that. I, th- I to me, the only way the Clippers can win the series is Kawhi goes off, which is I would almost assume is going to happen, and the Suns. You know, get some bad calls and and it gets in their head and the frustration starts to eat away at them and they don't look like the Suns. That's the only realistic way I could see the Clippers winning this series. I'm sure it's part of their strategy. It should be. We've seen it get to the Suns this season. Uh, if you're just going in on paper, I don't think anybody would dispute the fact that the Suns are the more talented team, especially with no Paul George. So to me, that's the X factor. How are the Suns going to handle adversity? Yes, but specifically that adversity because it's so personal to them at this point. Yeah. You know, and again, I could be wrong on this based on what means I could, but it wasn't like the Golden State Warriors were trying to dodge the Phoenix Suns. They were not. No, they actually started winning road games to try and play the Phoenix Suns. Just saying right now, it wasn't like they were not playing their starters trying to win those games. So, you know, I think they had the same idea. I think that is the... I think it is the prevailing thought that most teams have in regard to the Phoenix Suns, the way to beat them. So it's not just going to be this series, in my opinion. It's going to be as far as they go, whoever they play. They're going to test their Achilles heel, which is toughness. Uh, Here's Kevin Durant talking about the prospects of playing against Russell Westbrook, his former teammate in Oklahoma City, and of course Kawhi. It's always good playing against, you know, Hall of Famers, some of the best players to ever touch a court, you know. Uh, that's what you get with Russ Kawhi out there. Guys that, you know, you shouldn't grow up in the league and still playing elite ball and, and they, what, 12, 13, 14, 15 year, you know, these dudes are getting old, you know. So uh, to get an opportunity to compete against the best is always fun. It's something that, uh, you know, you, you just store away and talk about when you're done playing and getting to be able to play against the best players. So it's going to be fun. That's something you'll think of often, too, when you're no longer playing. (laughs) It's amazing how many guys you remember, but especially the great players that you played against. There's little exchanges that you'd have with them out on the court, out on the field, whatever it may be. It's amazing the way you remember the details. 
Uh, here's one more from KD, this time on Just Kawhi. It's funny, Clay quit Just Kawhi when he was young coming into the league, and he didn't, he, he didn't have his role that he has now as being a, a superstar. So I was just saying this uh, development over time, and it's been, it's been cool to watch. You know, it's been tough to play against, but it's cool to watch, and he's somebody that brings it every time he steps on the floor. So he ups the level of everybody around him. There's a lot of star power in the series. If, if you figure what the Suns are throwing out there with KD, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, if you yeah. want to throw DA in there, and then obviously the Clippers, if they had Paul George plus Kawhi plus Russell Westbrook, you know, I think if you're going to throw DA in there, you got to throw Russell, Russell Westbrook in there. That's seven. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, a lot the, of talent right there. And the only knock on, on the two guys that would be kind of questionable in that group would be Kate, uh, would be Russell Westbrook and DA, and that's just because DA hasn't gotten there yet, and Russell Westbrook has maybe passed it. All right, uh, that's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney. Thanks to Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Peace and strength.